Hello and welcome to Find Your Center. I'm Kim Perrone, Certified Life Coach with the Center for Clarity, Compassion, and Contentment. <laughs> I actually almost tripped over my own name there. <laughs> and as I say, it's a mouthful, but it's meaningful. But you can call it Center for C. Uh, I do think those qualities of clarity, compassion, and contentment are what we need more of. So I thank you for listening today. I'm here with Tisha from the Slightly Unmeditated Podcast channel. Hello. How are you today, Tisha? I'm lovely. I, for just a moment, thought you were going to say I'm medicated, going back to the day because we were talking about it earlier. thought maybe we get a little jinx out of you. You did fantastic. That's right. What, what she refers to is the very first episode, if people remember, right out of the gate, I said slightly unmedicated. And, and boy, you did a, such a good job of rolling with that. <laughs> no editing needed. It's truly authentic. <laughs> That's the whole, it, in the spirit of authenticity, there, it can't not be any other way. So That's right. That's right. Kudos to you. Truly authentic. And today's topic you're going to like this, is cultivating happiness and joy. Also what we want more of in life, right? Absolutely. So I want to start with a joke. Tisha, do you know what the happiest animal is? (laughs) Happiest animal? (laughs) A giraffe? I don't know. Actually... According to Ted Lasso, if anyone's been watching the show, a goldfish, it has a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish. <laughs> so, I'll have to be a gold tish. How about that? Oh, I love it. <laughs> gold tish. I'm never going to be able to see the word goldfish again without thinking gold tish. Um, I actually just started watching Ted Lasso. So if anyone's listening and, you know, even if you haven't watched it, it's it's all the rage, right? So people are talking about it and how happy it makes them feel. So it's so perfect, but it, it's funny. I, I saw this show the other day and he was, um, he said that little, I mean, I'm not even sure if a goldfish is an animal, but I think that's part of the joke. I think it's part of the joke is it's really, I don't think goldfish or gold, gold tissues, human I'm being. Definitely, definitely a mammal. <laughs> but the te- Ted Lasso, um, he, he, one of the one of his soccer players was so angry, and he he's brand new as the coach, and the, he's so angry, like he couldn't shake off that loss. You know, it's like one of his yeah. superstars, and um, so it just reminded me of so much of what we talk about. It's like the anti rumination. You know, mm. Ted Lasso saying like, yeah the happiest animal is the one with the 10 second memory because not ruminating on the past, not worrying about how something didn't go right. Um, just moving forward. And really it's a nod to the present moment because the present moment and your awareness of the present moment is where happiness is. Happiness is here. And, um, it today and in the present moment, when we can connect to it, we can allow it in, allow things to make us happy. And so one of the things for our listeners is I, I shared my coaching happiness worksheet with, um, Tisha and cause I do a, a fun, it's actually a much lighter, uh, seminar back when we were more in person and something light and fun to do um, as getting people interested in talking about what makes them happy. But at the beginning of the sheet, can you read that sentence, Tisha? It looks to me like it says, happiness is nowhere. Okay. So that there, all the, there's no spaces there. So I want you to look a little bit clear, look again and tell me if there's another way to read that. I see snow. That never is good. (laughs) I see snow now too. Oh no. I see snow out my window because we're both in the Northeast. Thanks. snow. Actually, I can see happiness is now here. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting change of perspective. So the change of perspective, now that's a little play on words with no spaces. So happiness is nowhere all together with no spaces. Happiness is now here. And you as a writer will be the first one to notice that, of course, you wouldn't say you would say happiness is 
here now. (laughs) But just to get us thinking, like it is about perspective. What what are we, if we think about a happy person that we know, um, you know, is their life perfect? Is it, is it that nothing ever goes wrong? It's just that they're probably more tuned in to the things that make them happy. They let them make them happy. They give themselves permission to be happy. Um, I think sometimes we, uh, you know, think that it might be silly to let in too much happiness. Or as we've talked about on other shows, the ego you know, in that part of our thinker is our problem solver. And so our brain is more attracted to solving the problem. You know, Mm -hmm. the negative is a little more attracted to the negative instead of the positive. The positive is just flies away very quickly from us and doesn't stick on our brain and the negative or the problems that need to be solved stick a little bit more. So this this is where we can actually have some wiggle room in how we bring more happiness. If you if you're looking to bring more happiness in your life and you're wondering how, we have some tips today. Could always use a good tips. <laughs> happy, happy. I keep think there's a uh, TikTok video. They used this song called I don't know what it's called, but it, he's like I'm a happy, happy, happy guy. And now every time you say happiness, that's <laughs> got that running through my brain. <laughs> Well, and of course, Pharrell made the the song Happy, like yep. gl- a global sensation. People loved right. it so much. The song made them happy. Right. Um, God, now that one's stuck in my head. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one to have stuck in your head. <laughs> yeah. There are so many songs. I'm like, oh, no, now that's stuck in my head. But that's, a, that's one of my favorite songs to get stuck in my head. Well, one thing I wanted to share, too to get us rolling here is what the research tells us. So the research on happiness, you'll be interested to know um, the breakdown in our contributions to happiness. 50% is our set point. Now this is an interesting part, like to think about yourself as having a baseline for happiness. So this, this could be, you know, some conditioning, you know, how you grew up, kind of your, your chemistry, your tendencies, your personalities. We did our archetypes, you know, some, some archetypes are more serious. And even one of the archetypes, when we did your, um, the archetype on, on slightly unmeditated episode, one of those archetypes is the jester, you know, that's someone who's very happy and fun and likes making other people laugh. So 50% is kind of your baseline. 10% is your circumstances only 10%. So people would think that's a lot higher. If I, you know, had bad things happen to me, I will be less happy. If I've had, you know, more good things, I'd be more happy. Interesting point. That is not the case. And I know if you think about that, um, you can actually think of great examples where people have had so, so much tragedy and tend to be happy or have had loss, but they tend to be happy. And, and maybe it's because it brings them more clear focus on what is good when you felt such suffering. Um, There are two books I read over the summer, um, Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. I just read that. It's so great. I know I went and bought it because I had, I needed the visual reference. Um, And also Kevin Hart's biography. I cannot remember what the name of it is. I wasn't expecting to to say it out loud, but both of them have this amazing uh, way to shift perspective in life. Um, Kevin's a comedian, um, but it, I think that's what made him so popular as a comedian. Like he, he addressed like his mom dying and stuff in the book and in a, in a completely serious way, but his perspective, that's the one that sticks out most to me, is just phenomenal, you know, and, and that's his, I know he focuses a, a lot of that on his motivational kind of things he does on social media and stuff about, you know, it's really mind over matter. Mm-hmm. But those two came immediately to mind if you want to read somebody with like fantastic perspective on life. And I just happened to read them back to back, not knowing that they'd be so similarly inspiring. Oh, yeah, I can still hear. So for anyone who has read Green Lights, um, I 
actually listened to it on Audible. And it was so great because it was Matthew McConaughey's voice. Yes. <laughs> Which made and me Pam- happy just listening to him because he's so animated and he'd say, note to self. So yes. I, I, I do that now. Note to self. Bumper sticker. <laughs> like, yeah, bumper, yes. I know. You know why I have to, you're absolutely, I'm glad you brought that up because if I think the the uh, impact of hearing them both do their own books was just really hit home. Like I'm sure you get a lot out of reading it, but that their own narration was fantastic. Like Matthew McConaughey's um, Australian experience with the family (laughs) and all that, like anybody who could put a positive spin on that. (laughs) Yeah. go. (laughs) That was riveting and interesting for that particular book for Matthew McConaughey's book. I did something different. So I have a, what I call inspired life book club through work. And it's actually in person. So I have like six ladies who come and um, we do it once a month and uh, we pick a book. And this was, it was a little divergent from some of the other material. Like before that, we read Jill Bolte Taylor's um, Whole Brain Living. And um, again, which was another guide to happiness. And, you know, Matthew McConaughey's book was as well, like perspective and, and finding happiness. And uh, they, they loved it. And they, you know, the book club really loved his book, but there was a difference between listening to it and reading it. And yeah. I just thought it was great to listen to. Uh, his voice made me very happy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so so 10% circumstances. So yeah, think about those books, those memoirs you may have read where people had tragic circumstances, but they were seeing things in a different perspective. It brought them deeper and it brought them the ability to maybe see happiness in a deeper way and, and find joy and feel joy in life, um, for knowing such pain, you know, it's the flip side. It's, it's the mirror side. So 10% circumstances, very low number, 40% is intentional activities. So we can do things that increase our happiness. Now that is probably not a surprise to people. Maybe the percentage being that high 40%, but, but the, People do realize that because they do do fun things to, and that they know that they're doing to feel happy. Getting together with friends, that's why it was so hard. It's been so hard during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how quickly people realized, like, wow, I need other people in my life. Like, this is very difficult. You know, three weeks in, people are already like stroking out. Oh my gosh, I can't see this person in real life. Um, and I think that was a huge perspective changer for a lot of people. I hope for a lot of people. Um, I'm still kind of blown away by the percentages as as you're pointing them out. Like, I think most people probably think circumstances like ninety percent. <laughs> sure. And and they never considered set point like where you come from. You know, organically. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I'm going to use an expression, but I do not mean it to be derogatory to anyone, but I think all of us know like what we would call an Eeyore or a Debbie Downer. And again, I don't mean it judgmental. It's like someone who's seeing things through the perspective of, oh, things aren't going right for me, you know, or here's another example. Um, And truly we do, we should know the brain is going to stick to that stuff like glue, you know, like Velcro, as they say, and your brain for the things that are good is Teflon. So, so to that person, if that person was in my coaching chair, I would just, you know, gently kind of nudge the new perspective to get, get their brain a little unstuck from the things that haven't gone right and allow them and have them give themselves permission to let their brain stick to the things that are good. And we know that gratitude is, you know, that's why it's an actual coaching exercise because we can acknowledge our pain and hurt if that's happening, but we can also just specifically overtly every day, think about what we're grateful for and begin feeling better about our lives and have it actually lift our spirits. Yeah. I do that a lot. 
my house is somewhat 80s. Mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of really expensive replacements in the last year. So I didn't get to update the floors like I wanted and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I often get ca- catch myself getting stuck on that. And then I'm just like, what am I thinking? I'm so happy to have a house, you know, and what I have to really think about it and switch into that gear. And then things kind of slowly less bother me uh, Mm -hmm. about things until I realize, like, I'm not even thinking about it at all. I'm thinking like, I'm happy to have a house. Oh, it's warm. I'm watching a great show with my daughter, you know, and, and it changes how I feel inside as well. You know, I mean, I can't say I'm like, super happy to always keep looking at the same ugly cabinets, you know, but (laughs) it it gets to me now and then it's, you know, it's not a a switch, like an end all be all kind of thing. It's um, moment to moment and gratitude doesn't always come naturally, I guess. Is that, is Mm -hmm. that like a, an ego and against the ego thing? It is. It is. The ego is trying to solve problems. So it's in, and it's been our brain, you know, So our psyche, where this ego, as we call it in coaching, resides, is our brain is more wired for what to notice what's wrong than what's Mm. right. And because danger is more dangerous than good is good for us in the history of humankind. Right. So we happen to be the descendants of the people who were most alert to danger you know, most, um, you know, we, we have this really highly evolved instrument in our heads, this brain that can solve problems and do great things. And what happens is it just tends to take us to our problems. So just knowing that, I don't think that's common knowledge. I mean, that's why, it, and notice how it comes up in all of our episodes. Yeah, I was going to say, we should call every episode Caveman Brain, pay attention, <laughs> because I spent 47 years on Earth and never heard the terminology, and I needed you to say that to me, to make me finally realize, like, wow, it is sometimes all in my head, and now I know why. There was, like, pterodactyls and saber-toothed tigers that we used to have to worry about, and we have not evolved out of that. That is so comforting. It's fascinating, but it's so comforting to me when I do get overloaded and I start thinking like that. It's just the caveman, just, you know, (laughs) it's like a relief. Absolutely. And the, you know, just a recap for someone who hadn't heard us talk about that before is um, when, so say you're starting to have the thinking and, and you're just kind of having a normal day, but you're thinking and you're thinking about problems or you're thinking about, you know, these natural direction that our brain would go, the things that aren't working in our life. Okay. Well, next thing you know, maybe you're getting a little stirred up, getting a little anxious about it. You're getting even more stressed, more angry. If you get too stressed, so maybe your thoughts are now like, I can't, I'm overloaded at work. I have too much to do. I'm never going to finish it all. I'm so tired. I don't have enough time in the day. You see, we're like this whole rabbit hole. It's getting bigger and bigger, more overwhelming, more overwhelming. If you get too stressed, you will go into fight or flight. You know, if you feel too threatened by all these thoughts that you're having about the way the world is, you eventually might go into fight or flight, fight, flight, or freeze, which is now we've gotten so stressed. We went into our primal brain because it's meant to help us run from danger. But really, in today's society, we're not running. We're stewing in in that chemical soup of all those chemical chemistry going around in our body that's supposed to help us run away from danger. And we're in our lower functioning brain. We're in that more instinctual run away from danger piece of our brain, which doesn't reason well. And so that's not even a place that you would be reasoning well. So this is where happiness is could be a tool as well. Is like make sure you're noticing things that make you happy. It it can be a natural stress reducer because then you're spending some time with the good in addition to the natural tendency of the brain to go to the problems and what's not working, what's working in your life, what's making you happy, as opposed to focus too much on what's not working in life, what needs to be addressed, what needs to be fixed, like your cabinets. 
So that that's why they say, <laughs> take a minute, go to your happy place. Like, oh. you know, in your mind, what's your happy place? I don't yeah. know what my happy place is. Oh, think on that because we're going to kind of little bit later. So think on that. Um, another element. So we talked about social connection because even introverts want to be connected socially. So here's an element to cultivating happiness. Social connection, even introverts need social interaction. We are human beings and therefore we do some level of social connections very important to us. And, and it's like energy for us. Gratitude. We talked about gratitude. So again, gratitude is actually the exercise that might get your brain unstuck from thinking of what's not working and move it to what's working, what's good, what should be cherished. Um, And like, I like to say, like, think of the good in your life is on a shelf getting dusty while your brain's like, I got these problems. I gotta, I gotta work (laughs) on this. I got, I got these things that aren't working in my life. And so go, you know, gratitude is going to that shelf. Dust off those beautiful things in your mind about your life and spend some time with them, treasuring those those items. Don't let them stay dusty on a shelf. And and it's okay. That is not a waste of time. You know how the ego likes to say, we don't have time for this. We're too stressed. We have too, we're too busy. You say, pipe down, ego, like pipe down. And I'm going to spend a little time with the good. It's going to give energy back to do all the things I need to do in my life. Yeah. I'm I'm just thinking... Like photographs, people take photographs to remember how happy they were at these times. Mm. And then they sit somewhere and you never look at them, you know? <laughs> and now everything's digital, so I can't even find half my pictures. I don't even know what computer they're on and what folder they're in. Um, so that's it. That's something I've been putting off for a really long time. I have a table full of stuff, of pictures, of memories, of happy stuff, you know, that I need to go through. So this must have be my sign that I should start doing that. Because as soon as you go said, to those photo albums. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's how that's, you know, a lot of happiness there in, in mm-hmm. memories and things like that. I don't do that often enough. Mm-hmm. So thank you for the reminder. Absolutely. Another element of something that can make us happy. And this is, this may be a little counterintuitive to some and, and very intuitive to others. Simplify, you know, our ego, our brains, like complexity it really does. But you know what? It starts to, you know, we start to fumble and bumble around with it. And sometimes our good stuff in our life makes us unhappy because it needs all kinds of organization, um, too much stuff, too much clutter. Maybe it's even too much mental clutter. All of the above. <laughs> Studies show that simplicity is also a little bit of a doorway to happiness. So if you're feeling um, if you're feeling unhappy or, or just this resonates with you, like, yeah, I do want to be a little more intentional about feeling more happy and, and get, getting that feeling, then do simplify too. You may have things too complex and it's too much work. All your stuff. You know, as the as uh, the late Wayne Dyer used to say, like sometimes all that extra stuff just requires so much more complexity. There's more paperwork. There's more insurance for things to cover things. There's more maintenance for things. Things start to grow exponentially, meaning the work you need to do to have wonderful things. So in some ways, you might be simplifying by letting some things go, or you know, even if it's something you love. One of the neat things I talk about, about letting go, say it's something figuratively, like I love this lamp, but uh, I have no place for it. And you have a bunch of things like that, that are cluttering up a closet or a room. And I'm really bad at this. So I'm kind of speaking to something I'm not good at. I'm like, I'll use this somewhere. Some, yeah. some other. <laughs> and, uh, but even if it's something you like, let it go in the world. And no, that's going to make someone else happy. That makes me happy. I yeah. did love that lamp, but I really don't have a place for it right now. It has to go out in the world to make someone else happy. Yes. About two years ago, I did a major get rid of everything. Um, and then not long after, I had to welcome all of like the stuff from my mom's estate here that I have. And I saw my grandmother's stuff like in the basement. (laughs) So upstairs is nice and good, you know, Mm -hmm. clear. I really do appreciate 
the space. I've really been focused on this clutter aspect for the last few years. Then I go in the basement and I'm like, Oh my God. I've, I've actually, for this whole last week, I've been thinking about hiring someone to help me just to do it. Like I'm so tired of dealing with stuff that I I physically can't even do it anymore. Not even emotional attachment. It's just, this is good. This is bad. Maybe I might need it. Like I need Mm. to stop kind of that. If I do need it, I'll just go buy it. Right. And just Mm -hmm. keep the things I need. So that's been a process that I've been avoiding for two years as well. Just being busy, but also just physically (laughs) tired, not wanting to do it. Yeah, that feeling you're getting too. And that it's so hard, that evaluation of each thing and then everything making you think you want to keep it when you really don't. Well, the stuff I have is the stuff I did want to keep, like from clearing out the houses. And I still have my grandmother's stuff in the houses. And then you don't know, is it valuable? Is it not valuable? And I just had to get to a point where I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. If I'm just giving, I'm probably, we don't have a million dollar vase in the house, you know, like in the family. <laughs> Odds so, are. Yeah. The, the percentage is pretty low. So I actually have, um, I got really lucky and I know someone who, um, resells items, but like that's his whole business. And I have just been calling him every single time I have a truckload and saying, come over. And I, I don't care how much money I quote unquote losing. Um, I'm making this guy happy because he, mm-hmm. he's adding to his business. It's good quality stuff I'm giving him. And I never have to think about it again. You know, so I got so lucky with that guy. And, and hopefully he's available soon because I'm about to do the same thing again at Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. And good for you to, un, you know, kind of get into the mental space where you're okay. If you're putting something valuable in the world, think about how that tangles people up with the shoulds. I should, should. Oh no, I should. And I, you know what? I went through it. My mom was a huge um, coin collector, but mostly like random stuff. Some good, some bad. I literally had to sit for like three weeks straight and go through. She had this giant glass thing that was my grandfather's and it burst while we were moving her. So it's just all of this change in there, but it's like from the 1920s and 30s, I had to look at every single penny for three weeks just to see what should go to like a, a an appraiser or whatever. And then she also had several hundred dollars worth of state quarters. She always saved state quarters. I, I actually Googled it like, you know, there's so many in the market, it's not really worth saving them. And I mean, that was hard. I had to wrap all of them and like all those that she saved. But I'm thinking, what, what good is all of that doing anybody? You know, I'll wrap it and give it to my daughter and that'll be from her grandmother, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But those decisions, man, they'll kill. That's why I haven't like done a big fall clean out or whatever of my house in two years, because the mental strain of of that is just not making me happy. So I just didn't do it to preserve my happiness. Sure. That it can start feeling very heavy, right? Instead of happy, like, oh, I'm connecting with things that brought my loved one's joy. And I, someone in my family had said such a profound thing to me. It's like, you know, there was something in the family that was so, so beloved by a family member. And they, and, and the daughter had said to me and after his passing, I just had to come to realize that that was his dream and not mine. And it's true. It's hard because then we feel like we're supposed to be hanging on to things. But part of the human experience is we cling and grasp. And so here now we're clinging and grasping for someone who's passed on and and left that behind in this earthly sense when they've passed away. And it can go out in the world. You know, it right. can go out and bring other people joy. It doesn't have to be you because because we're the relatives or we're the survivors. Yeah. I'm that person. So I had a yard sale uh, of the stuff. Like my mom had a huge book collection. I mean, like ridiculous. And I thought, I I can't lug these books one more time. Like they're going Mm -hmm. out, you know, and then I'm that person who just gives shit away for free because I'm like, it's going to make you happy. You take all of those books for a dollar, you know, whatever it is, you know, good for you. Well, it released the burden of me having to deal with it later, but also it's going to somebody who really, you know, matters. She, my mom had a lot of jewelry, but not like expensive, you know, 
fine jewelry or anything like that, but she had loads of other stuff. And there's a woman who actually made jewelry and could use the parts of it. And I was like, just take, just take all of it. You know, I didn't care about how much money I had uh, gotten from it. Um, and to this day, I think about that whenever I see that lady, like she's probably making really cool new things and, you know, she saved a whole lot of money, you know, doing that. So yeah, I appreciate that. I've also watched a lot of episodes of Hoarders, so mm. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of know <laughs> yeah. what path I didn't want to go down. So that's that's tough. Sure, and then that simplicity again, so that you're not having that heavy energy, and it can be a joy robber and a happiness robber, right? So you you actually got some happiness from giving it to people who really appreciated it, and you could see it in them that it made them happy to have these finds and they, they do work with them or they do appreciate them. Um, it, it, it's definitely to work on those types of things. Who are your social connections, you know, and how are you showing up with friends? Are you participating? Are you enjoying in, in allowing yourself to have happy times? Um, Can we we address that real quick? I'm always fascinated by any of these things when you say give yourself permission to be. So allowing yourself to be happy. How would would you describe if someone wasn't allowing themselves to be happy? Like I'm trying to understand Mm -hmm. that a little bit. Sometimes we can get in too much of an ego sense where we're too serious or too full, feeling like we have too much work to do, too much going on, that we don't allow ourselves. It seems silly to play, or, or, or oh. I, I don't have time for, oh, you know, I love those friends, but I don't have time to show up to be with oh. them. I have to do this work. Um, and actually postponing happiness. But but when I get this promotion, then I'm going to start doing things with friends. Or when, I, when I'm out of college, then I'm going to be happy. When I get that house, I'm going to be happy. Now, happiness is not a later point. And it really is now. Like the happiness is now here statement. So we need to be in the present moment. So when I, when I talk about social connections and, and like someone giving them permission, it is hard sometimes to understand what that might mean. It might mean you think you're too busy to be doing fun things or you you won't allow yourself to do fun things because you are so busy. Yeah, I think when people hear that, when they when they hear your real life examples, they'll be like, oh, shit, I'm not allowing myself to be happy. You know, that's why I wanted you to clarify that permission to be. It's not really sitting there like you are not allowed to be happy. It's oh, well, I keep postponing all of these things because it's not my time to be happy, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that in the in the real world, like how your mentality about that, about being too busy is, I'm sure, a very popular one. Uh, I think I'm guilty so, of it or like, myself. Think about an entrepreneur who is like, you know, in the early stages of their business. It's like all hands on deck and working really hard and getting things going and getting enough money to make a salary and, you know, those early days, it's easy to just keep postponing other aspects of your life. Yeah. But we really don't want to do that. Balance. You do want some balance and you want social connections, very important. So sometimes in those situations though, people have those social connections at work. So sometimes it can be, you know, a twofer, if you will, maybe you work a lot, but you enjoy the people that you're working with and, and you get your social connection there. Um, you know, the, uh, an important part is allowing yourself to be aware of the present moment, because that's genuinely where happiness is happening. So easy, if we are with friends to be like in the moment, paying attention to them or out eating dinner with friends or playing a game with friends, or even getting together with family for holidays and being in the fun. Um, hopefully if your family's fun and we can do another episode if your family is not fun. Cause you know, some people have to deal with that. So it might be 
<laughs> might be the opposite, <laughs> but definitely, you know, the awareness. And I often think about like all these happy things happening or things that could make you happy, whether it's looking out your window and seeing like a bird building a nest or, you know, just like just beautiful things, letting things make you happy, you know, and but yet we're going, oh, I'm so busy, right? So it's like happiness is jumping around us like, hey, look over here. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And we're like, I'm so busy. Like, yeah. this is what I, I I can even picture, you know, myself. I've done this before, you know, so so mentally absorbed in something that the, these little happy things are happening around us because we think it might need to be a big thing. It's yeah. a little thing. My my visual of this example would be you go to a concert and everybody's phones are in the air so you can't see anything that's happening on the stage and they're so worried about getting everything that they completely miss the whole show the whole show and I'm not that person like I don't feel comfortable with like taking selfies and doing all that stuff it's just not in my nature I didn't grow up that way I guess and uh so I'm like the person trying to be in the moment of the show and enjoy it. And it is a little distracting, like when everybody's, you know, oh, wait, wait, and then you can't see anything. So that's what I was thinking about when you were saying that. Um, I try to keep my phone away or whatever. And just like when I'm on a trip and seeing something or whatever. Yeah, I mean, of course, pictures are great. We just talked about that. But at the same time, like not, I don't have to document everything because it makes me not happy. I feel like I'm missing the moment. I almost I don't even think I took photos during my daughter's graduation. I think we have like one video that somebody did, but I wanted to see her doing that. And, you know, kind of sucks in the end and you don't have it. But, you know, I'm probably not going to watch it 100 times either. It was five minutes because it was during COVID. But. Right. She had to go really fast. There were probably only yeah. a few students at once. It was and just her. Like it was just one at a time. Yeah, yeah, just did one at a time. So, so, I mean, I'm glad my aunt or whoever captured it, you know, for that three seconds that she was there. But I wanted to live in the moment. So I tried to be more aware of of those things like that. Yeah, I used to have a camera in front of my eyes all the time for everything that was going on. And I've tried to do that less, too, and actually be present instead of looking at that moment through a lens. Now it's even easier, though, because of the phone. But, you know, definitely... But when you're looking through the the lens or the phone, you know, you're like, oh, it's out of focus. And you're you're not, you know, you're kind of missing that. I know that I do. So, like, I tried to be more more aware of that. I also notice when I go on walks and listen to the podcast, like I don't really pay any attention to anything around me because I'm so in tune to listen to what's happening. So I've tried to be a little bit more mindful about like looking at the trees and like looking for the sunset or whatever as I'm walking. I do forget and then I'll remember like halfway through. So I'm trying. Yeah. And then some of it is sort of uh, innocence too, is a quality. And like beginner's mind in mindfulness is looking at things with joy and wonder like, wow. Or I wonder how that works. Or, you know, if you are paying attention to nature, if you're letting it wow you, that that's, that can be some happy that you're letting in too when you're, you know, paying attention to things like be, be more of an observer, be open to be seeing things with fresh eyes. Yeah. I have three dogs and they follow me all over. I always have these eyes staring at me like, what are we doing next? Where are we going? And I feel guilty sometimes because I I write and we do the shows and they just sit there quietly waiting for me to be done. So I went and bought bubbles the other day and I blow bubbles for them in the yard because they love chasing them. And that was I had forgotten that I had actually seen ironically I had a seen a video I had taped of them like eight years ago doing that and I'm like oh, I forgot how much they like that so I went and bought the bubbles and now every afternoon we go out and blow bubbles and they chase them and it makes me kind of in, have that child innocence again like that childlike play because I'm so serious all the time I have to get all this stuff done you know right we lose that so that's a way of reclaiming it and you know, studies show that happiness is healthy too. It's healthy for us. We we don't want to be not having happiness. Um, and then there's a couple different kinds of happiness too I wanted to share. 
Um, so if anyone's interested in like taking it to another a deeper level, there's, you know, what's called hedonic and euda- eudaimonic. Sorry, that's a bit of a tongue, tongue twister <laughs> for me tonight. <laughs> um, eudaimonic. And that so hedonic is finding sources of happiness. So it doesn't necessarily mean hedonistic, not bad, but it is it is saying it's the perspective that um, we're going for the maximum amount of pleasure and the minimum amount of pain. So that can kind of take you away from, you know, kind of maybe a little bit of a false sense that we should always be looking for things that make us happy, maybe buying things, eating things. Maybe it becomes too much of a good thing, right? Like, and then our goal of our life is supposed to be minimizing pain. And we know with equanimity, pain and happiness go together in a lifetime. So the eudaimonic is feeling good from doing good, feeling happiness from doing good. And so, you know, many traditional philosophers have championed this as, you know, more of a way to get away from what what we might think is being gluttonous, like eating our ways to happiness, drinking our ways to happiness, shopping our ways to happiness. And listen, not that any of those things in moderation are bad. They're fun. You know, I always get a little have a little happy jolt when I go shopping, (laughs) bargain shopping. But but just to know, like, if you've ever felt it, for anyone listening to, it's like, oh, you kind of feel it from the inside, you know, you, you, you had a fun moment, maybe you and friends just did a volunteer project, and you kind of feel that little bit of a glow, that happiness that comes from doing good, and, and doing good in the world, or maybe just helping a friend out. And so those are some of the benefits we can, we can uh, get a little bit clearer on, well, what are those things that make me happy? What are the things that might be hedonic, even if I'm not overdoing them? And what is the eudaimonic uh, happiness, that giving and generosity and, and helping people um, that is, is another source of happiness? reading ahead (laughs) (laughs) i was reading ahead oh you know what i have not mentioned yet is joy so what's the difference between happiness and joy i was so glad you asked that question because i wanted to ask that question okay so joy all right let me see if i can say this clearly and not be too too confusing Joy is a little bit more of a state. Happiness is things that are happening or opportunities that we have to be happy. Joy is is a little bit of a deeper sense. It's actually, I've heard it called um, by Robert Holden as joy is unreasonable, meaning it needs no reason, which I thought was very profound. It's like it's in us. It's available to us all the time. We come and go. We don't feel it all the time because we come and go away from it. So when I've talked before about ego versus being, you know, the ego, that thinker, um, that part of our psyche, the problem solver, then the opposite part of us is that being, you know, we are a human being. This is our essence. It's our soul, if you will, In it's here for the experience. So it has access to joy all the time. And we tend to come and go away from it with, again, our trials, our tribulations, our challenges. Then we have our happy moments and joy is that deeper state. And when we are aware, we go back and it's more of a natural state for us, actually. Yeah. Well, I always go back to kids with happiness and joy, you know, um, kids who little kids who just get biggest joy and thrill of jumping in a mud puddle and then you make a fuss about it and then they laugh and, you know, can you imagine doing that as an adult? I mean, I could 
I could do it, but I know everybody around me is going to be like, what is she doing? <laughs> it might be time for the men in the nice white coats to come along. <laughs> so we get like conditioned out of um, expressing joy or the people who mm-hmm. practice the joy and, and openly are, you know, sometimes then they're a little woo woo because they, you know, they can dance, literally dance in the rain and it doesn't bother them. But um, so I do understand the difference between happiness and joy. Um, but it's interesting because joy has been sort of a, a theme topic for me lately. I did a Christmas craft while I was away and I, there was a couple of words that you could put on a wreath, you know, and I specifically chose joy. So I thought it was funny that you brought up this topic tonight. Um, because I really, meant it when I glued it on there. Like I, I need to research this a little bit more. Um, I need to think more about what makes me joyful. Cause I've been in a rut for the last three years trying to be ahead of myself constantly. And, um, th- so thank you for reminding me again about the, the, the joy word. I'm going to focus on that. And, and it's accessible to us all the time. So now maybe even that mental concept of it's in there, you know, am I aware of it and am I cultivating it? So am I allowing happy things? Am I kind of living a balanced life, finding happy moments and happy experiences, letting that in, noticing things around me that could bring me happiness, could bring me awe and wonder and tapping into that because Another note on the ego, again, not to beat up on the ego too much. We, we do need a separate sense of self. Like I need to know where I end and you begin, right? right. Instead of right. rather like we are one and yes. it, which would be more of a right side of my brain and, yeah. and more of my being. Right. It, the ego is that separate sense of self. And so it is a part of ourselves. And in some ways, it's wandering around the world terrified. You know, it's seeking pleasure and satisfaction to ease its unease. Mm -hmm. And because we have like just kind of a generalized anxiety, we're worried. Are we good enough? Are we guilty? Oh, I should have done this. I still have to do that. You know, that's kind of a normal state of being for most people. So just kind of putting that into perspective, you know, the ego is looking for happy to feel okay. And so, that's, it's a little bit nervous. It's, you know, our ego is like, is, is everything okay? It's kind of always looking out and trying to perceive the world. Like, am I okay? Or am I not okay? Uh, People are probably feeling this all the time. Like, am I watching the news? Do I feel like the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Or do I feel like the world is more good than bad with what I'm reading, what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, local, national, uh, global, all, all of that. So we are trying to process the world and our lives and what things mean. And the ego needs to do that for ourselves. So we do, we do want to find happy moments. We do want to that back to that permission. We don't want to be so serious and so like feeling like we shouldn't be joyful right? That Mm. it's too silly. It's childish. It's irresponsible. And someone would probably never say that they felt that way, but we might be conditioned that way. Yeah. I am reading the, uh, the last article that you sent me about the five qualities of joyful people. Mm -hmm. And the sentence said, joy is bigger than your ego. (laughs) I love it. And I'm going to, I want to share this one. I have to, I'll have to find it online and share it on social media, but I really love all of this article. Oh, I can, I can send that link to you. It's definitely, you know, the, the list. So it is bigger, bigger. And, and actually to think about it in that term, like even allow yourself to think of it as big and something that you can tap into and something that you should tap into and that you cultivate it with some smaller moments of happiness. Yeah. I like this too. It says joy is the soul of happiness. That, that cinched it for me there. Like I totally get it now. Um, mm-hmm. I was still a little on the fence. That's why I started reading the article. <laughs> <If> I, <laughs> it can't, you know, if I got confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's no, confusing. but 
no, that makes total sense. And um, I think it was on a slightly unmeditated show. We were talking about uh, where people, about the guy who had a breakup and his pizza boxes were everywhere. And then the girl <laughs> called and said, I'm coming over. And I suddenly had this magnificent energy to clean everything up. And I think that's the joy. Like it's bigger than anything else because, you know, you're having a, uh, an Eeyore kind of day and and then you get that phone call you've been waiting for and you just your whole body is just lit up and I can do anything all of a sudden I I miss that a lot <laughs> <laughs> well and you know what that also reminds me of you know that it's Jerry Maguire Jerry Maguire yes. when he finally got that contract and he jumps in the car and he wants to sing to the radio like yeah. that was joy Okay. Yeah. That wasn't just happiness. That was like, I nailed it. I did it. I yeah. want to sing to the radio. And then he kind of doesn't have the words right. <laughs> it's free falling for any yeah. Jerry Maguire fans. Uh, yeah. And it lives on past the past the movie. But, but I think of that with joy sometimes. I think about that like, wow moment. And I see it. I see it in you, Tisha, with the podcast. With both shows, like you doing this this show and helping me set up this show, slightly unmeditated, now having that as a podcast channel, like your creativity and your alignment, your soul's alignment with all of that, that's where the joy comes out. Yes. And, and as you're saying, and thank you, as you're saying this, uh, the second part of that article, it talks about how joy inspires creativity. And that is so true for me. Um, it says like they, you know, it says when people, I'm just going to read it. Upon discovering joy, many people experience a greater sense of creativity that rushes through them. Like, oh, Yes, I there is no greater feeling for me. I have moments of that throughout the day which I didn't even realize was joy, like like described as joy until now I'm reading this, so I was meant to read this. Um but it says joy is like the thinker and the creative principle. I mean like god, yes. I so resonate with that and that just today I can think of several joyous moments that I've shared with you today already. Um that just like went right through me and then everything else was erased. You know, I understand now what that means to that joy is bigger than the ego. So I'm glad we explored this. Yeah. And it, it can topple the ego actually when we have moments of flow, which is, you know, the term flow, or it's also called ecstatic engagement where you're doing some activity and it could be work related. It could be the part of your work that you love the most in getting really deep in the writing or whatever work is for any of the listeners. Um, it could be a hobby um, or, or a artistic pursuit. And we, time flows. Like you get into, you're so absorbed in the present moment of doing that activity and time flows and you lose track of it. And you're like, wow, oh my goodness. That was, you know, you just swept away. Yeah, that can be very joyful, too, because you are tapping into something that's really aligned for you or you wouldn't be that focused and yeah. you wouldn't be that feeling good about it. Yeah, I just had another example of joy that I love as well. When you get somebody a present that is so on point <laughs> and you yes. just cannot wait for them to open it. Like that is better than any present I could ever open, right? I yes. love that. It's also very difficult on holidays or birthdays when I'm like, okay, open your present. Tell me what you think. Do you like it? Oh my God. And then I have to pepper them with a million questions. But yeah, I love that moment too. That's great. So, oh, one of the other questions I ask um, in, in uh, you know, in tapping into happiness when I'm doing a coaching group is, you know, what are you known for? And what is your happy place? So I'm going to share with you something to get you thinking about what your answers are for this. But this is kind of a funny something. But when I think of what am I known for, and it makes me laugh, is that like my family and friends know I really like salad. And this sounds really silly. Like I love salad bars. I love salad. <laughs> and And so I have a couple of like funny friend family moments where they have teased me. 
And they yep. tease me about liking salad. So one time when we were at a restaurant with our friends and, you know, the the waitress goes, okay, and now you can go get your salad. And I must have bolted out of my chair because my friends, <laughs> my friends are like, <laughs> I didn't hear the starter pistol. Like they teased me about this <laughs> for years because I must have bolted out of my chair to go running to the salad bar because I just dig salad bars. I mean, what can I say? And so one, and then on another trip with family, my brother-in-law started, we had two different cars and we had these, these walkie talkies in the two different cars. So we could be traveling somewhere and talking to each other. And so my brother-in-law gave me the handle, like he called my son rubber ducky because Steve was like 10 at the time, but he called me Greek salad. And so (laughs) like when people do stuff like that, they give you nicknames about something, you know, it's kind of funny. Like, obviously it makes me happy because people notice it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Do you ever, um, well, I haven't seen it so much like on your Facebook page or whatever, but like when you get known for something, then everybody sends that to you constantly. Like they're always posting that or like you say one time that you like pandas and then every Christmas and birthday you get a panda something, you know, you have to be careful what you're known for. Although a salad for every holiday, I'm sure would be delightful. (laughs) Edible. Yeah. Yeah. Won't won't, uh, clutter my shelves. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And then my happy place is the beach. So that like my mother teases me about that all the time because Obviously, the beach is a lot of people's happy place. So I'm sure they're like, oh, yeah, a lot of people are thinking that. But it's funny if people get too if I'm if I'm with family and we're headed to the beach and we're on vacation and people get too bogged down with the umbrellas, the chairs, the coolers. Yes. I'm like, I'm going to go save us a spa. I'll see you later. Yeah, cause yeah. I yeah. could be there from morning. T- All I need is a beach bag and a book and a towel to sit on. And so that is totally my happy place being by water, mostly the ocean. But when I, when I ask you, like, what are you known for? Does something, you know, does something that makes you happy be, is it noticeable? Do people tease you about it? Yes. Crab legs and bad puns. (laughs) Oh, that's the bad puns. I'm known for both. The go- I'll, I'll refer you back to the gold tish thing that we talked about yes, earlier. Gold tish. <laughs> uh, that's right. Gold tish. I love it. And a happy place. I think my happy place um, would also be by water, but it doesn't necessarily, it's kind of a tie. Um, not huge about the ocean because I'm a little afraid of the, the wave part. Uh, open ocean. I absolutely would take any boat ride anywhere, anytime. I don't care. Um, and also my pool with a book. Um, I can agree with you there. I just, nobody bothers me. It's great. So peaceful. And then yes. one thing I'll just pose as a rhetorical question as we conclude tonight is, you know, where are you missing happiness? So I'm just going to pose that to all the listeners is like to think also, where are you missing happiness? Where do you feel like there's a, a void in the happiness, something that you might want to cultivate a little bit more? And just hoping that people do feel a little bit lighter or that it's that it's reachable, a little bit lighter, a little bit more happiness, a little bit more you know, sometimes we have to make it our job to find our happiness and our joy. Let's know, know what makes us happy. Know, know, uh, know those moments of awareness and, and let our brain stay with them a bit. Let it, let us marinate in it and let it soak, soak in so that we can actually at a certain point tap into the joy, which is, you know, that much deeper state. The salad of happiness. (laughs) that's actually a really great metaphor the salad bar of happiness you should include that in your next lesson salad bar is so good for so many things (laughs) i almost almost thought covid was going to squash it completely but (laughs) that's it the salad metaphor for everyone out there what is in your salad of happiness there you go you've nailed it I'm I'm really glad that we talked about this because um as a person who's kind of aware of what's going on in her head most of the time I definitely neglect this part of joy. Like I literally had to look at the Christmas ornament and 
choose joy. And I realized, and like, I need to do that more often in real life too. So that was very profound for the end. Very (laughs) profound gold tish. I really appreciate you. (laughs) And thank you for making me laugh. And I'm always happy when I do this podcast with you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Well, we hope you're feeling a bit more happy and centered. And we'll be back next Tuesday with another edition. And you can reach out to me anytime at kperone at center4c.com or connect with us at the Slightly Unmeditated Facebook or Instagram pages or email us at goodvibes at slightlyunmeditated.com. That's all the time we have today. I'm Kim Perone, helping you to find your center. Each time you do, you build a better world. My heart is full. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you again. And until next time, I wish you clarity, compassion, and contentment.